The views expressed in our episodes are ours alone and do not represent any other organizations. Our episodes discuss internet crimes against children and cases that involve the exploitation of children and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Yeah, we don't want to do anything to scare your children. That's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to scare anybody. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to 2021 Catfish Cops. Hello. Welcome. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Brandon. Uh, I'm Tony Godwin, and uh, we are kicking off with a brand new year, hopefully far better than last year. Yeah, I think it's only up from here, but I'm afraid to say too much because... I think everybody is, uh, you know, on bated breath of sort of... (laughs) Hope. Everybody think, hopes, but I think black eyed peas were the dish of the day yesterday. Uh, uh, I, I just hate those. I hate them. Well, I didn't eat them. I, don't I think I either. I don't remember having them, but I'm sure they're. It's a, it is a it's a big thing. It's a Texas thing. You know, is it Texas? I think. I mean, it. I never did it anywhere else, and I've lived in a lot of places. <laughs> well, you let us know if it's just Texas. I don't think it is. But uh, 2021 no. catfish cops still going. And today, we're going to discuss a heavy topic, but uh, one that hopefully will let you know um, the facts and details about a case that we're going to talk about that gives us the foundation for our next few episodes. Yeah, absolutely. I I think it uh, bears repeating that this, and we've said this so many other times, but uh, this would be an episode I, I really would caution having kids listening to. Uh, because this is, um, we say we say it every time, right? Just almost. So pretty much, like if you can have your kids present, we're gonna tell you. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, assume probably not for the kids to listen to. Yeah. Today is really. My son gets a little dejected about that because every episode that comes out, he's like, "Dad, can I listen to this one?" <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, uh, "No." <laughs> we're working on some stuff for for kiddos. Yeah. Um. So I won't go too much we we're, we're really good about teasers aren't we yeah well this is uh case in point like literally we have teased this yeah uh, this episode for months now the day has come yeah and it's now here so uh today we are going to uh take a deep dive into the carly ryan case and i guess we need to preface this by saying that um you know this is not our case this right. is information that we have uh, been made privy to uh, through some internal resources. And, um, you know, we played no part of this investigation. So basically, we are just reporting the facts as they were told to us. Yeah, and which is unusual for us because as far as like our episodes go, we are going to name the offender here. Yes, uh, we are. Because it is public record and because you need to know. Um, but we want to say up front, as a disclaimer for this episode particularly, we're not going to discuss these details um, for entertainment's sake. This is not entertainment. No. We are not just giving any graphic details for graphic details' sake. We are trying to tell just the facts of the investigation, the facts of the crime, so that you have an understanding of what happened. 
yep. um, because it wasn't in our country. It was another country, and and some people are not aware of this story and, and this case. Uh, but it's also the foundation for tomorrow um, when we start talking to someone else. Right. Um, yeah, and, and I think that's good to put in context because um, uh, first and foremost, we have become very close friends. Um, with Sonia yeah. and uh, we respect her immensely and uh, we want to do right by her uh, with this episode. Um, you know, and you'll see, she's just, she's yeah. just an amazing person. Yeah. She's, she's a wonderful, wonderful lady. And I think we've gotten to the point where we can say we're friends. Um, oh yeah. But we oh, certainly, absolutely. we certainly respect her enough um, that we want to be cautious with how we approach this. So, yep much to say about the intro, but now we'll, we'll dive in a little bit. So what you don't know, maybe, um, are some of the details here, uh, and we're going to try and be as accurate as possible. Um, but if you haven't heard of the Carly Ryan foundation, go look it up. Um, Sonia is the founder and this is where it's sort of initiated. So yeah, take it away, Tony. So this is a case that goes back to 2007, this was a case that took place in South Adelaide, Australia, um, where Carly Ryan, who at the time was just turned 15 years of age. And um, so we're going to kind of begin there. And on February 20th of 2007, at about 630 in the morning, uh, the police in Australia were notified that there was a body in the water of Horseshoe Bay. Um, outside of Port Elliot, outside of Port Elliot and, um, or in Port Elliot, I guess it is. Right. Which is about an hour's drive from Adelaide. I think an hour, hour and a half, something like that. Um, from what we've been told. And so that sprung into action, obviously a lot of police activity. This is a, uh, a water, uh, recovery. And so obviously there's beach that's involved. And so there's a lot of factors and things that we'll talk about. Um, in regards to that. And so the body of a female was recovered in the water. Um, and from there, it, it embarked on this fairly intensive um, search of the beach, is yeah. fair to say. And so while we may not be doing it justice, it's a, it's a large area based on photographs that we've seen of uh, the crime scene and, you know, some of the other records that we've taken a look at. And so, like, to equate that, you know, we, where we are in North Texas, we don't have beaches, uh, so we don't really have beach crime scenes. And so what that would really involve is are factors that may not necessarily come to mind initially, like tide issues yeah. or uh, terrain issues. Uh, just from a searching standpoint, like that alone had to be very, very, very difficult task. Well, and our understanding is there was some inclement weather that came in. You've got the tide changes because you think about a crime scene, particularly right now um, where we're at in this, in this story, this was a female body that was unidentified. Right. So, and, and obviously like the, what comes into play there is we need to make sure nothing's missed, but you're also contending with like, like we said, the water, right like inclement weather. It's not, I mean, there's rocks and sand and everything like that. So yeah, it's, it's something that we're not familiar with. I'm sure there are beach police agencies that, that know how to do a crime scene that way, but yeah, 
That's foreign to us. Definitely foreign to us. And so there was some speculation on this um, body recovered in, from the water. Um, initially, there was um, some significant uh, trauma to the head and face of the body. And so there was some, um, I wouldn't say confusion is the word, but um, inability to maybe accurately depict the age of the person from that was pulled from the water. Initially, I think they thought this girl was around 20. Maybe around 20. Yeah. And I think later they kind of adjusted that to, you know, they put a, a limit, maybe 15 to 20 years of age is what they believe just based on the size of the person and whatnot. And so we know now that this is the body of Carly Ryan. Yes. Um, we're not going to try and keep anything in suspense today. Uh, we're going to name the offender probably much sooner than we would in our stuff. Um, but this is the body of Carly Ryan, who was 15 years old at the time. Right. And uh, But how she became, how she was identified is is part of the story as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think it it's uh, worth noting of of how they made that distinction from, because uh, as Brandon said earlier, uh, where Carly lived in relation to where her body was recovered was, you know, over an hour away, maybe up to 90 minutes away from her home. And so that has to beg the question of how does this barely turned 15 year old girl get from point A to point B. And so um, to give that some context, uh, we'll, we'll sort of, let you know how the police were able to make that connection. Um, because I think we were told they initially thought based on height, weight and description that she may have fit some identifiers for another missing girl in another part of Australia, which, um, turned out to be not accurate, obviously. And so so, back to the terrain issue, like what we know about the investigation is they brought in sandbags to help, Built up a retaining wall kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, to protect the scene from tide. They put tarps over to protect the scene from uh, weather. weather, yeah. And also from uh, any witnesses that might be around seeing anything, obviously being respectful. And then they did. Uh, they were able to narrow down from a large beach area to what they believe to be the actual crime scene. And that's the area that was literally protected by the sandbag barrier and the tarps that Brandon mentioned. They found um, a droplet of blood. Which, think about that on a beach, yeah, a sandy beach, a droplet of blood. That's a or some drop or even droplets, droplets. Like, yeah, like that's, that's yeah. significant. <laughs> I, you know, to me, that's very, very, very significant. Yeah. So, what was around it besides droplets of, ba- of blood that were later linked to Carly? There was some jewelry that was found. There was uh, some earrings that were in the sand, um, and then obviously the clothing that. Uh, she was wearing when they removed her from the water. Uh, and what's notable about that, I think, is um, there was some speculation that uh, she did not put the clothing on herself. Yeah. And they made that deduction based on the fact that her pants were on inside out. Um, her undergarments were, you know, s- caught up in some of her other clothing that... And were not on correctly. Were not on correctly. And... Um, so someone made the comment that the, that it appeared she was dressed in a hurry in a low light situation by right. somebody else. Right. So, and, yeah. And then as far as the jewelry, some some uh, earrings and and a piercing, uh, right? Yeah, she had some piercings. Uh, I think a lip, a uh, nose piercing, ear piercings. Uh, there was a necklace. I remember seeing uh, some photographs of. 
But one of the more significant finds that they were that they discovered was the tip of a rubber glove. Yeah. Like a and I mean literally I saw a picture of it and it's literally like the the very the top post top, of top an portion of the index of. finger is what yeah. it looks like. And so which becomes significant because significant later because the yep. DNA in that glove is matched to our suspect. Yes, correct. Um obviously when they recovered Carly from the water, uh, they found that she had sand in her mouth and around her lips and uh, eyes and all of that kind of uh, stuff, which correlated, I guess, with where they located the actual crime scene um, of where she was attacked. So she put up a struggle, um, and it was Definitely determined thought. that the face and head trauma was um, contributing to her death, but the manner of death or the, I guess, the ruling was... She was drowned. Yeah, non-accidental. Yeah, so it was right. homicidal. She was drowned. Um, they did find sand in her esophagus leading to that. Yes. But we're not going to go any further into injuries because there's no reason to. Right. Um, she was murdered, um, and, you know, we don't we don't want to go further on that. But the identification, um, let's talk about how they identify that this is Carly Ryan. Okay, so um, what basically happened was on the previous night— uh, Carly had told her mother, Sonia, that she was going to be staying the night with a friend and had left, uh, the, obviously, on the 19th uh, with a bag of, you know, items. And so the next day, um, she had not heard from Carly and had tried to call her on her phone and, you know, every other method, I think, that a parent would try to reach out to their child. And so... She went to the friend's house. She went to the friend's house and the basically the family and the friend said, well... She never showed up. She never came. And so uh, immediately, uh, Sonia goes into, you know, mom mode, you know, which is uh, expected. And I think every one of you could um, understand. And so she immediately calls the police, missing persons. She's making a police report. And uh, in that process of waiting for the police and making the police report and, you know, I can't imagine anything more than utter panic and, and fear is, yeah. you know, consuming her, um, as would any of us that are parents. So um, she gives this description of Carly to the police. She does. Clothing description, hair color, because she did have a distinctive um, mark in her. Streak of well, yeah, like color a streak. in her hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she had dark hair with, a like think, a red streak, uh, you know, dyed in her hair or something like that. So something significant. She also gave um, a birthmark, a birthmark, a description of a like a strawberry or something like that, just a birthmark um, on her body. And um, so as that process was beginning, um, she then receives a random phone call at home. Yeah. And the random phone call is just some guy who she has no idea who it is uh, telling her that, hey, I I found your I found this purse on the side of the highway and inside of the purse was a receipt, which had a phone number, which is the number the guy called, the home number. Um, and it was the purse um, that belonged to Carly. And so and he had found it on the side of the road. He was not involved. Right. But he had found this purse on the side of the road, was calling it the owner. Um, and he was about 40 minutes from where Carly lived. Um, so at this point, you know, um, as we can all imagine, Sonia's in a you know, in a state of panic at this point. And then she, um, from conversations we've had, we know that the police did arrive at her house 
and um, you know things started happening, and then some major crime detectives showed up, and she um, was had she had to identify the body the next day. Yeah, which from a parental standpoint, I mean, you're already uh, just devastated, and then having to wait and identify, and she did identify that that is her daughter. She did, and so I I know from a conversation uh, with Sonia that she. You know, she said she knew something was was not right because nobody was leaving the home. <laughs> like the major detectives and the cops were not leaving. And so um, what made the connection to a potential suspect is um, came from Sonia. And because she told the police, I, I think I may know who may be responsible for this. And so, so let's just talk about, I mean, I don't want to belabor the issue that Sonia is a just a rock solid, strong person, but she, I mean, think about you just learned that your, your kid is murdered. Right. I mean, from a parental standpoint, that's the most devastating news you can get. Right. She goes right into protective mom mode of like, I think I know who did this. And so she starts basically being a police officer mindset. Yeah. And And starts digging in. Yeah. And, uh, so she, um, is like, listen, there's a, a guy that was here, uh, and she identified him um, to the police. As Gary Newman. Well, not as Gary Newman, as oh, Shane. Oh, that's right. He was using an alias. So let's talk about, we're going to give you his real name. His his name is Gary Francis Newman. Correct. Um, but that's not who she knew him as. Right. He was using a, a uh, fake name, Shane was his first name and Kane K A N E was the last name yeah. Shane Kane, which sounds a little odd. Um, but essentially Sonia relayed to the police and the major detectives that her daughter Carly had been in this online relationship with uh, this Shane's son. Shane's son, whose name is Brandon yeah. just by happenstance. And that he was a, uh, what 19, 20 year old kid, something like that kind yeah, of right a musician, uh, something along those lines. So Sonia says, "Hey, listen, this is this is the feeling I have. There, you know, there was an incident. We'll discuss that in a few minutes. Um, but because she went into this protective mom mode, uh, this subject, Gary Newman, later turned out to be Gary Newman, had actually been to their home, yeah. and so she then is visually at her home with the police, walking through." her own home thinking, um, you know, what did he do? Where was he? What did he touch? All these sort of things. So before we get into that, let's go back and talk about who Gary Newman is. Who, how does Gary Newman uh, interact with 15-year-old Carly Ryan? Because Gary Newman is 49 years old. Yeah. He's 6'4", 230 pounds. He is an old, um, by every account we could find, unremarkable. Right. Um, I think that that he was, you know, I think that they said at some point the only person they could find that would say that was friends with him really in any significant way was his mother. Oh, yeah, only his mother. No adult friends that could be found or that could be located to offer anything of substance against yeah. this guy. This guy's a real creep. And so, um, like Brandon said, Gary Francis Newman, 49 years old at the time, um, he basically portrayed himself online to be a Texas-born, Victorian-based, 20-year-old emo using the name Brandon Kane. 
And this sort of this musician, um, he sort of painted the picture that he uh, had this sort of celebrity kind of status. There was mention that he had a, he had tied additional profiles from other social media uh, to sort of validate that he was legit. He was yeah. in a picture with uh, Alice Cooper and some other celebrity type musician type people, but everything was geared around this musician lifestyle. So now remember the 2000, he met Carly when online when she was 14, 14. in 2006. So remember at this time, social media wasn't like it is today. Right. I mean, we're talking about MySpace. Yeah. Um, and there, I mean, smartphones were just released around that time. Right. Uh, I think the first iPhone was released in 06, 07 kind right. of time frame. So we're talking about very different online than we have now. Oh, so yeah, for our yeah. listeners to understand that like this is, this is in 2006 was completely different. Um, but you want to talk about an online internet predator. Gary yeah. Newman is that. And then compounded was, as has been pointed out to us, um, Carly and what we've mentioned before, Carly was the first child victim in the history of Australia to be murdered by an online predator. And so there's a lot of, um, as has been told to us, it's an all hands on deck, uh, sort of thing. And so, yeah, this case was, this case was a first of its kind. She right. was the first child murdered by an online predator in Australia. So the police really like dropped everything and started working. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hundreds of officers, uh, we've been told hundreds, uh, you know, combing this crime scene, basically walking and searching on foot for, I think what's been described as hundreds of kilometers. And so to, you know, to put that into context for, you know, an investigation, that's, that's so massive, so significant. It is a giant crime scene. Yeah. That's, it's just unbelievably hard to, to imagine. So Newman had over, I think 200 fake online profiles. Yeah. Some of his aliases, um, yeah, some of the aliases he was purporting to use, um, obviously Brandon Kane was turned out to be an, an alias that he used. Uh, he used the name Stevie Crow, Michael Becker, Shane Rogers, Nash Dalton, Aaron Walker, Lance Dalton. Um, and those were just a few of uh, what I think has been described as like um, – maybe hundreds because he had all of these profiles, some of his, uh, online presence, uh, you know, portrayed him under these aliases to have a modeling photography business. Um, you yeah, know, he used fake profiles to bolster the support of other fake profiles. I think we already said that where he's using one fake profile to sort of make the other look more real and more credible right. and vice versa. So he essentially is having a relationship online with Carly as Brandon Kane. Uh, and you have to think, um, so to a 14, 15-year-old girl, she's talking online with this person who is a very attractive 20-year-old, 21-year-old right. know, musician, and she becomes infatuated with him, as yeah. would probably be likely and, and understandable. Yep. Um, so... So that infatuation and relationship is ongoing. She does not know Gary Newman um, is the one behind this. Um, So she, she continues this online relationship. 
Um, and then it comes to this sort of really turn, right? What, what happens there, Tony? Well, I mean, you think of, of the context of this predatory behavior here, you have this 49 year old loner, this creep who's got hundreds of fake profiles where he's, he's clearly using these profiles to find and solicit underage girls, uh, for sexual purposes and gratification. Um, obviously Carly is one of many, many, many potential victims. And so, um, but the reality is he's portraying to be a 20 or 21 year old kid with this music background and, and rock star status when, but in reality, he's a 49 year old freaky guy. He's a loser. And, and so he has to interject himself somehow into this in a manner that he would be accepted. Yeah. And so what he does is uses the fake Brandon Kane profile, kid profile or adult profile um, and says, Oh, this is my father. So he Shane. introduces himself into the circumstance as the father of, of Brandon Kane. Right. And so what's coming up is the a birthday party. It is Carly's birthday party. She's going to be 15. She's having this um, you know, party for herself and friends. her friends and you know what kids do. They have yeah. birthday parties. And so Brandon Kane, the online infatuation that she has with this guy, and, and remember, it's been going on now for a, a year. You yeah. know, she meets when they're 14. And so... And they, they talk on the phone. Yeah. There's so voice we, calls, emails. Yeah. Um, we will say, like, we're not going to mention the name, but right. he also uh, brought in the the use of his son, Gary yep. Newman did, um, to participate in this. So when we talk about voice calls... Uh, it's very likely that she was talking to someone that sounded much younger right? Um, when she talked on the phone. Um, yep. And Sonia has even mentioned hearing a younger voice. So it is believed that, that he was using his son right. for that purpose. But they began to talk, but he introduced his father as Shane. So Correct. now you do have two, two separate people. So it's, it's building that believability. Right. So there's obviously, I mean, it goes without saying there's grooming in every case there's grooming in this case. Absolutely. Um, and, and we've mentioned, I guess it, it bears mentioning again, but we've talked about this um, many, many times in the past over some of the cases that we've talked about and where we've openly made it clear where uh, the people that are groomed, not only are the kids groomed, but the adults in their lives are groomed. And so this is, exactly the same scenario that we've talked about a hundred times um, to warn against. And, and, and again, that's how this guy as Gary Newman, the real Gary Newman uh, predator was able to infiltrate Sonia's family. And he didn't just have Carly. He, he had, as you mentioned, had other victims or other girls he was talking to. I found one um, quote where he had written on his website and I'm quoting, I may not be a kid anymore, but I tend to act much younger than I am. I'd go for women somewhat younger than me, usually someone sexually adventurous. So he had been talking to a 14 year old girl in the U S in 2002 and three, referring to her as his princess and his wife. Um, and then it also communicated with a 14 year old girl in Singapore, 
um, while using one of his aliases, Nash. Right. Um, and they had set up a meeting, uh, wow. but the girl didn't attend the meeting, which infuriated him. Like right. the, the quote on here said, Newman told his online friends the girl would pay for standing him up, saying he would use a young guy to lure her out of her home. And uh, she would end up, and this is a quote, looking like that packaged meat you get at Safeway. So that's telling yeah. as far as where he's at already. Yeah, where so his mindset is. And, yeah. I mean, it, it's almost mirroring this grooming process for what he's done with Carly and, and the Ryan family up to this point. So when we talk about grooming, he takes a kid, Carly, who is in these online social media settings and which are new. Yeah. It's fairly new. She's very, you know, she's vulnerable because she's believing that this good looking musician who's got this jet setting lifestyle is, you know, in this relationship with her. And I mean, there's probably not many 15 year old girls that wouldn't be enamored by that. Yeah. Because there's pictures that he's sending her where he's on a plane and he's in Paris, he's in Paris and he's talking about these, you know, swanky hotels and these music gigs and all these famous people. So you can imagine how enamored a young person would be with having the attention like that. And then to, to further uh, talk about how Gary Newman has to interject himself as Brandon's father, you know, then he himself as the father, you know, purports to be this pre uh, this prior military, military yeah. hero, SAS, you know, real badass. When in fact he's just the, the total opposite. He's a nobody. He's a loser pedophile yeah. is what he is. And so, how this sort of culminates is Carly's 15th birthday is rolling and the party is set and Brandon is telling her, Hey, I'm coming. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there. It's going to be great. And all, you know, really getting her hopes up. And then at the very last minute cancels. Oh, I can't, I have to go to a gig. I have to fly to such and such. I have to do this. But in lieu of me being there, my dad's going to show up with a present to for bring you. my gift to you. Yeah. Now, what a segue, right? From the grooming side, you know, you can see how this guy just manipulated the whole situation. And so essentially that's what happens. You know, Gary Newman posing as Shane shows up at the Ryan home. And uh, from what we've been told, he was helpful. He was um, Nice. He was accommodating. He brought gifts. He, he did sort of, work around he the house. He worked around the house. He did a, some things yeah. and all to further this, this fake um, situation. Now we've talked about, we've talked about this, you know, in our own conversations, but we know like most people probably think like, what, you know, how would you let that happen? I mean, and that's the, yeah. the probably a normal question. We've heard other stories, um, even in our cases where where we have real parents of victims that the the suspect infiltrated the family somehow first. Right. We've heard grooming stories. I've heard grooming stories where the parents and the whole like f- extended family around the victim were also part of the yeah. grooming process. Um, and I wish I could share all of those things so you yeah. could believe this is not uncommon. No, not at all. This, this is something that these offenders know how to do. I mean, you look at the big cases when we talk about grooming, look at the big cases around the country, the Pennsylvania, you know, 
state case, the the Jared Fogel case. Right. I mean, what's the Epstein case? You're right. These big cases where people are groomed and manipulated for years right. to believe that this person could never do that. This person is the the pinnacle of society, and so you get that sort of community outrage when these allegations come out and they're going, how is this possible? It couldn't be possible. Right. But it is because they've done this manipulation for long periods of time to get you to believe that they're this wonderful person and that they couldn't. So right. it's not unusual to see that. And then from our understanding, Sonia comes from a very happy, open, loving family as far as right. they, they had a, you know, her parents are, are very, very welcoming, welcoming, and, yeah. you know, always, Always, you know, be nice. Always make sure people are fed. Always make sure people have what they need. And Welcomed in. Yeah, just, you know, hey, come on in. There's no immediate red flags. Everything does seem and appear to be legit. Yeah. Um, you know, she knows this is kind of coming because this this online relationship has been going on for maybe up to a year already. And she's heard the voice conversations. She's watched the some of the communications. Um, I think she even said like the, the computer was there like in the kitchen or common area, which is what we advocate for any parent with a, their kid being online. So there was just nothing to raise a red flag at that point. And, and it seemed entirely plausible. Right. And we don't, we don't want anyone listening to this to go to this mentality of Sonia or Carly brought any of this on because they right. didn't, they absolutely, absolutely didn't. Uh, and in fact, like one of the things that we worried about when we're talking about that is that people might, I think one of the things that I read about this case was immediately after sort of the victim blaming mentality, which yeah. by the media. And that happens is, here as well. That, it happens all the time. Yeah. And can you imagine that from the perspective of this is the first type of case in the history of the country? Yeah. I mean, it was just a different time. 2007 was a lot different than it is now. And what the this stuff happens out. today. Yeah. And we're very well versed in what goes on the internet now. Right. Con comparatively. Right. So we say all that to make sure that like nothing we're saying comes across as like, this was a very, very big case of grooming manipulation on. Absolutely. Um, so he came over very, um, decorated military he came over right. very helpful he offered to pay for some of the party right. um so he was welcomed in as brandon's father and he brought yep. this gift um i think some of carly's friends i read were were sort of on the he's a creep you know, yeah they didn't like him either right but of course i and i think Sonya's mom alert starts going off fairly quickly, but yeah, because I think some things that sort of manifested during the duration of the party, um, you know, began to surface, which yeah. would raise those alarms. Uh, and that being, obviously it's Carly's 15th birthday. I mean, she's the star of the show. She's got all of her friends and family there and, and her boyfriend's dad came this whole way. And it's noted that, uh, where Gary Newman lived versus where Carly lived was eight and a half hours driving. Yeah. Uh, an eight and a half hour road trip. So this is like, you know, we've discussed cases where, you know, we've had predators travel some distance. And so this, you know, you just throw that component into the mix of this um, 
And there's a lot of there's a lot behind that. That says an awful lot yeah. to the extent that this guy will go, you know, to continue with this charade and victimize people. And so and what, what a vile person he is. Yeah. He becomes jealous right. because of the attention Carly's getting at her party. Yeah. And in his jealousy, starts to argue with her and create a scene saying that she was cheating on Brandon. His son. His son, because his own jealousy is coming out. Right. So that creates this argument, and he actually leaves. Yeah, storms out of the house, leaves Carly crying. Yeah, at her own birthday party. Right. And then police find out later he didn't go far away. Right. And so once what happens from there, after he storms out of the party, is... She receives a phone call from Brandon, the son, who is now in defense of his father, Shane, and the way he was treated and, uh, you know, just sort of more manipulation and basically putting this on Carly and the, and the family for causing this and his dad to leave it. But he's going to make it right and get him to return. And he does. He returns to the party and... Shortly. He, Shortly. Yeah. yeah isn't like, that convenient? He's, yeah. He's only a little bit away. He comes back, um, and they continue this party. That I, guess, I guess they work it out. Uh, yeah, he apologizes and, you know, makes amends and and things of that nature. I mean, we cannot express in words how disgusting this person is. Yeah. Um, he is a vile, vile human being. Yep. Um, and it only gets worse because what happens is, the, you know, the party goes on. Yeah, the party starts to wind down. Um, Sonia has to work the next morning. She retires, goes to bed when the majority of people are gone, as what seems as though the party is all but over and just the final goodbyes are going on. And so that's what happens. And the next morning when she awakes to go get ready for work and to leave, she opens the door to check on Carly and... She goes into total freak out, pissed off mode because she finds, Shane is yeah. laying in the bed with her, with Carly, asleep, with Carly asleep in her bed, and she goes bananas. Yeah. She goes off the wall, and she starts screaming and yelling and cussing and carrying on and kicking him out, and it it starts this entire uh, argument, um, and which is something to remember for later. Um, that she kicked him out, yeah, and and made him leave. Right. She had said, you know, something's not right with it. She told yep. Carly, something's not right with him. He's a he's a predator. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, to further add to the manipulative behavior that this creep Gary Newman um, has, just by instinct, it's so ingrained in his his thought process is he. He flips it to the opportunity to make Carly upset. Like, like this is your fault. More of the victim blaming more, you know, now she's in tears and she's crying and he storms out and Sonia's pissed. And now they're having this, you know, argument and she's telling Carly, you know, Hey, this guy is a predator. This is not right. And da, 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 da. And, and so initially I think, uh, it's been reported that Carly, you know, said, you know, nothing happened. It, it was, he was just there sleeping. But then as a couple of days went by, you know, cooler heads prevail. There's, you know, lots of thought process and conversation that takes place. And Carly does confide in Sonia that, um, 
sexual contact had taken place. He sexually abused her overnight. Yeah. Um, and I think that he used that manipulation and, and trust that he had built in Brandon to make her believe that Brandon was okay with that. Um, and I think her infatuation and love for Brandon is obviously what made her feel like that was okay. But, um, Sonia threatened him and said, I guess she, she let him know that if you contact my daughter again, or if you come around us, we're going to call the police about this. And, uh, everything you would expect. Yeah. Everything you would expect that we know that parents do that now. We've, we've talked about it on other cases. The, we've told you the differences between mom's reactions, dad's reactions of, you know, the typical reactions that we see on these kind of cases. And so you have to imagine at this point that Gary Newman, the creepy, freaky pedophile, is now in a panic mode yeah. because of what's happened. Now, he doesn't necessarily know that she disclosed the sexual conduct um, that he did the night of the party. Uh, but because of his panic mode, it was reported that that Gary reached out to one of his sons. He has two sons. He reached out to one of his sons to kind of tip him off um, to say, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I need you, I need you to help me. Um, you know, this is what she's going to allege. And so something happened. Yeah. He said something happened. And, and so essentially he's asking his son to sort of take the fall, you know, for him, uh, which is sort of a whole bizarre kind of thing because the son wasn't even there, yeah. even, you know, so the, I guess that just goes more into the warped mindset and mentality of this he predator. Self, he cares about himself. That's yeah. the only thing he cares about. Self-preservation is kicking in. And so... Um, so what this pedophile does is kind of, you know, he turns into a murderer. He drives yeah. eight and a half hours back. Yeah, he goes home. Yeah. He gets this, the another son... Yeah. Um, which we're not going to name for legal reasons, but right. the other son was involved in this this right. case um, as the face and the voice of Brandon Kane. And I and I think what the you know the takeaway of of where this case took a turn is what occurred by Sonia confronting this predator, kicking him out of her house, and and making sure her daughter understood that this guy is a predator because that it's believed and based on the information we've been told and what we've reviewed is that that's where this case took a turn and maybe where he then began to plan the murder. That was already there. You have to think, right? He had already, we read that other thing about the, the girl in Singapore, not meeting him. That, that planning has already been there. Yeah. So this just happened to be, you know, the focus towards Carly versus this other kid. So I mean, you can tell this was already in there. That that murderous side of him was already there. Yeah. Um, so he drives eight and a half hours back with his son. Yeah. Um, they pick up Carly. That she. This is the only way he could get Carly lured out to him again. Right. Was he brought this <clears throat> fake Brandon Kane with him? Yep. In the form of his son. Yeah. So she thinks I'm going to meet Brandon for real this time. Yeah. This is now the 19th of February. This is the day before her body's recovered in the water. And there's surveillance video of them around that area. Yeah. Um, and she's with both Gary and his son. Um, and then she's murdered the next day. And so I think what's significant to 
discuss at this point is is when we mentioned earlier that as soon as Sonia figured out that Carly didn't make it to the friend's house and the panic mode happened and she called the police, made the missing persons report. Now the police are at her house. She's provided a birthmark for, you know, clothing description and all of these things. And when the police are there and she's indicating like she knows instinctively something's wrong because nobody's leaving and she automatically, like Brandon called it the detective mode. She goes into detective mode when she should be and. The crazy part is that she's in such a significant amount of trauma. Yeah. It's just not recognized because of it's in the moment it's going on. And so she begins to walk the police and the major crimes people through her home and said, he changed a light bulb Mm. and points to the light bulb. And so they ultimately they recover the light bulb, which has his fingerprints on it. It was a perfect fingerprint. Perfect fingerprint from the light bulb. Now think of that for a second. How would you like to me, that's a that's some divine intervention to go into her mindset to think, okay, he touched this, he touched this, he did this, he did that. Here's a shaving. There's a shaving cream bottle that he left here. They found a mobile phone and SIM cards and SIM cards hidden. Yeah, like so he had been he had brought SIM cards, I guess, probably to continue talking in these fake profiles. It should be mentioned we didn't say earlier, but he had actually purchased. Um, phone credits for Carly right. so that he could always communicate always have with communications her. with her. And so, you know, they recover fingerprints off of the shaving cream bottle. They find the mobile phone. The mobile phone is registered to Gary Newman. Um, so all of these pieces of the puzzle begin to sort of fall in place for ultimately what comes, because this was a long process from the, from the day she was murdered on the 20th of February until the total final disposition of this case, which wasn't until the total final disposition, like all appeals exhausted, April of 2011. Well, and and this was a, you think about it, we said the big crime scene. Uh, And then after he murders Carly, Newman starts throwing her stuff out on the drive. So it was over 100 kilometers that they're right. finding Carly's belongings, right? Where he's getting rid of that stuff. So Sonia, in detective mode, helps identify this perfect fingerprint from the light bulb that he changed. Yep. Um, has a bunch of his stuff, his mobile phones, which the tracking of mobile phones played a big part in the investigation. It did. Now we're not part of the investigation. Obviously, it's obvious. Um, so we're not going to speak to all of the investigative details because we wouldn't do it justice. Um, but they did a great investigation. They did. And they did a lot of mobile phone tracking. Um, Sonia, to her credit, brought in a bunch of clothing because much of there was, there were clothing items that were missing and never found. She said they yeah. believed that they were incinerated by Newman. And I think she said she even went and bought the exact same clothing, uh, the, you know, new, to show the police, like, hey, this is exactly the outfit and color and style and cut and size that she had on uh, or brought with her when she left. And so all of that detective work, and that's why I said, like, and keep in mind, this is the first murder of a child in Australia's history and by an online, by an online predator. predator. And now they've got identified this guy who is on, a prolific, prolific predator. Yeah. And so when, when she described to us, it was all hands on deck and we say, Hey, great job to the police in Australia for this investigation to go a hundred kilometers on a foot search. Yeah. Like 
that is mind-boggling where they're recovering bits and pieces of items that belong to Carly to tie it back to Gary Newman on his eight-and-a-half-hour drive back home. That is such amazing, amazing work. So Gary was arrested on March 3rd, 2007. And what was significant about that? What was he doing at the time they arrested him? Oh, when they arrested him, he was on his computer talking to another 14-year-old girl in Australia. So For a meeting for? Yeah. Yeah, for sex. So this arrest, because of Carly's murder, saved that girl in evidence. Guaranteed. It's just saved her life. It had to be. Uh, And probably saved kids all over the globe from this guy. Um, and has saved hundreds of thousands of children because of the work Sonia's done since. Um, But they did analysis of his computer and showed he was using MySpace to communicate with females, other minor females in the same way. Which at that time, MySpace was it. Yeah. There was no Facebook. There was no Instagram, no Snapchat or Kick or any of these others. Tony was on Yahoo Chat somewhere. (laughs) I was on Yahoo Chats. I was on MySpace. Yeah. (laughs) They said one of the reports, tell about the reports that they created. Yeah, they did a forensic analysis on one of the computers that was found uh, that he was on at the time of his arrest. And at some point in time later, there was some request from, I'm guessing, the, the defense uh, for a printed copy of the contents of this computer. And it was told to us that there was that printed version off of one computer was 11,000 pages long, which obviously they're not going to, you know, print out. <laughs> kill trees to, you know, print this thing out. Um, but the result of that forensic examination uncovered hundreds and hundreds of fake profiles, um, links to other 14 and 15 year old girls. Oh, the, uh, the notable thing, Brandon mentioned how he was online with this other girl in Australia, this other 14 year old girl who they, described in the case study we reviewed um, looked strikingly similar to Carly, Mm. which is really just bizarre. Well, we can't go, uh, we can't say enough about the work that the police did in this case. So let's just kind of give an overview. They did handwriting comparison, handwriting analysis, and they did that because they uncovered written handwritten documentation linking him at his, this is at his home eight and a half hours from the Ryan's home. Um, and you know, even further from where she was, um, murdered, but they found handwritten notes linking him directly to Carly. And then they additionally found, uh, like I have a photo of it, of pages and pages and pages of, of, uh, the usernames of, yeah. Kids. Notebook pages. He had notebook pages yeah, like with all of notebook. his login details, his passwords, and his all of the profiles, profiles he was talking to, yeah. and, and all these other accounts. And then the more striking thing that threw me was they found some credentials where he was a uh, like Australian news syndicate credentials, like photographer, freelance photographer. Which I don't know if that was ever validated to be true or not. We could, but he was, you know, he was whole. He had that whole. Like I'm a model photographer, right? I'm, I'm I have a modeling agency, so of course that's probably used for that purpose, right? He had he had actually portrayed himself to be a security guard to Sonia yeah. and them when he showed up at the party, yeah. so an eyewitness placed his vehicle in the area. Yeah, now that, that yeah that was a cool thing with this security tag inside this car, and they described the security tag with this, and they actually drew it out. Yep. And when they went to his house to arrest him, 
that security tag was still hanging in the car. Yeah, yeah. And and we know we're looking at a photograph of this hand-drawn um, security card, identification card or something that's very specific. It's, you know, the card was white. It had a large number 24 on it. It had security written in black. The numbers were in black um, that was displayed on the dash. And this came from an eyewitness and his girlfriend who saw Newman's vehicle in the in the parking lot area of Horseshoe Bay where Carly's body was recovered. So linking all of that, you know, complete total eyewitness account of something they saw just again, lends to the thoroughness, the just tremendous job that this police department did in the follow-up supported uh, by yeah. Sonia. Yeah. I mean, think about this. Sonia is actually uh, probably surprisingly to the police. She's the victim's mother. She is right. in trauma and she is staying there. She's bringing food. Yeah, the she's police. feeding the cops so um, that they can continue to work. And and even them, the and I'm sure you know she'll expound on this uh, when we have that opportunity. But you know, then they're like, "What are you doing? Like you're feeding us? Like you're the you're the victim here? You know, you're the mother of the victim." And um, the other notable thing I think that they recovered during the crime scene I thought was very interesting was a I don't know what you call a sort of a metal uh, file f- box. Uh, with file folders in it. And there were, I, I don't know how many are in this photo I'm looking at. I, I'm guessing maybe a hundred or more individual files, which have like CDs and communications with different like victims that he's communicating with usernames and all this kind of stuff, like in a filing cabinet numbered. It's like, this just shows you just how prolific this, this guy was. Yeah. So what happened with Gary Newman? Um, he was arrested, obviously. We just said that. Uh, and then he was going to go to trial. Yep. He actually, on September 19th, uh, he pled guilty to manslaughter, but not. He tried to. Or he tried to. Yeah. He tried to plead guilty to manslaughter versus murder, but not to murder. Um, and fortunately, everyone involved rejected that plea offer. Yes. And so he went to trial. And along with the accomplice who we're not naming, right. Also was involved in this trial. Yes. Um, I think what's like worth mentioning is as this Gary Newman is in custody, um, they're clearly monitoring anything incoming or outgoing as far as calls and letters and whatnot. And so there was a, it was either a letter or a jail call. I can't remember specifically, but, uh, this is, and I'm going to quote this because this is the manipulation that Gary Newman did with one of his sons who to try to get, um, you know, get him to basically help him, you know, set up some sort of defense or, or take the fall, I guess, of where it started. But um, he finds out, I guess, as this is unfolding, because this process was very long and, and Gary Newman was, was, manipulating the system and he was, you know, having all these multiple requests through different attorneys and whatnot. But one of the letters, this is a quote, he finds out that his son actually made a statement to the police. Well, and he tried bribing his oldest son. Tried this to bribe is not him. the son that was involved. Right. He tried bribing his oldest son not to give a statement by giving him his vehicle. And then he turned on him and told him he would try to implicate him. And right. He started threatening him. Right. And that's where we get this jail call. Yeah. And so this jail call, it says, um, 
David, I told you to stay out of this for your own benefit, but you wouldn't listen. My lawyer has enough to tear you apart on the stand. You will do jail time, and don't worry. It will be known throughout the jail system that you're a rat. The call concluded with, I look forward to seeing you in court, rat. Goodbye. Now, this is to his his own son, the one not involved, who he's previously tried to bribe and now manipulate into thinking that they're going to tear this kid apart. Um, uh, it just... It just further adds to the, you know, the total vileness of this guy. What a so Gary Newman tries in trial to claim that he had no sexual interest in Carly, which was shown to be false. He starts acting really weird um, in the trial. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing his his somewhat defense was going to be to act like he. It almost sounded like uh, he was trying to portray himself as being like not right mentally or maybe a, a mental defect or something because the way they said he he was always poking in his eye and he was um, – what the one quote I think uh, one of the investigators said, he drank enough water to sink the Titanic, uh, like just this <laughs> enormous amount of water during the, the trial itself. Um, he was unanimously convicted. He was. And so let's, I want to read this quote from the justice, <laughs> justice Kelly that, that, um, Oh yeah. That oversaw the trial. Um, but he was convicted. I, I will give, uh, this quote and then we'll talk about the final outcome. Um, justice Kelly says it was a terribly cruel thing you did to this beautiful, impressionable 14 year old child. I say child because that's what she was a child who fell in love with the idea of the handsome, musically inclined, and rather exotic Brandon Kane. The real man was an overweight, balding, middle-aged pedophile with sex and murder on his mind. Yeah, that uh, that is very unbelievable. Just speaks volumes, you know. So what did, what did Gary Newman get? So Gary Newman was ultimately convicted... Um, February 20th. February 20th of 2010. No, no, no. I'm sorry. February 20th, 2007 was the offense. Yes. And then he was convicted. I think in 2010. 2011. Well, his final appeal was in 2011. I think his conviction was 2010. And he received a 29-year a twenty-nine year sentence. No, no, no. Life with uh, life with a parole period of not oh. less than twenty nine years. There we That's go. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So we've got here. We'll get this straight. Now he was sentenced to life, but he cannot parole until twenty nine years. Twenty nine years. Correct. That, that's what he. And then his son was acquitted of the crime. Right. Um, the one that was involved was acquitted of the crime. Um, so he was not involved in this. As far as his acquittal, he's not considered guilty. Um, but yeah. he did go on to um, be convicted of. Of sexual abuse against multiple underage victims, yeah. um, he received a thirty-five month, thirty-five month sentence. Yeah, um, and he is currently on the registered sex offender list because he offended against thirteen girls under the ages of sixteen. Yeah, so uh, that is the story of Carly Ryan. Um, it is it is a tragic, horrific story. Um, but the reason that we tell you these details is because you're going to hear that foundation before we understand what Sonia made out of this. Um, it's a 
devastating thing for the loss of a child for any parent. Yeah. Um, particularly in these circumstances, it's just, it, it's unthinkable. Um, yeah. But she took these circumstances and thought about, uh, in her words, what would Carly want me to do from this? So, yeah, I think, I think the listeners are going to thoroughly, well, this is a heavy, this one was heavy. I mean, obviously, um, but I think where we're going after and what follows this, I think the listeners are going to benefit immensely much as we did when we learned about this, uh, much as we did as we've now become friends, personal friends with Sonia and where she has taken this. Um, and she's an advocate in every sense of the word. She's become an advocate yeah. for child protection. Um, and so we're super excited to hear, um, yeah. hear from her in the next few episodes. Yeah. Uh, you're going to hear from her directly about her, the impact of this, uh, what she's gone on to do, yeah. the, the laws that have been implemented and changed, what she's trying to do here in the U S to protect our kids here, what she's already accomplished over, you know, in Australia, which yeah. is so magnificent and unbelievable. Like I, I'm telling you what I'm fearful of is that, uh, everybody listening is going to fall in love <laughs> with Sonia as we have, uh, she's a part of my family now, part of your family. Like, oh, that's yes. just if, how it is. If you didn't know, we adopted her. Yeah. So she, she is, is our family now. She's officially uh, a, a, almost a Texan, but she's an Australian Texan. Uh, I think everybody's going to fall in love with her and wonder, maybe she should just take over and do all the rest of the episodes. But uh, nonetheless. Nevertheless, we're going to, uh, we'll talk with her. Um, we're going to talk to her tomorrow. Yep. But that means that you're going to hear from her in um, the next few episodes. Yep. So, so thank you. Thanks Appreciate for it. listening. Yeah. And uh, join us soon as we talk with the founder of Carly Ryan Foundation, Sonia Ryan. And until then, we'll talk to you later.